This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hey, 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 how are you doing? Welcome back to the Sustainable-ish podcast. I'm still here. I made it. <laughs> I'm sure you will all been on tenterhooks to hear about how my COP27 bike ride went that I uh, shared with you last week. So for those of you who haven't caught up with last week's episode, I joined in with two days of a four-day bike ride going from Swansea to London for COP27. Now, I just joined in at Bath, but that still meant cycling 135 miles over two days, which kind of amazes me still that I managed it. Day one was beautiful, sunny, and much of the morning was spent on the canal towpath, so it was pretty flat, so all good there. Day two, however, was wet and undulating, shall we call it, but cycling through central London past the London Eye, the Houses of Parliament, Buckingham Palace. All as they were lit up for the evening was pretty special. And to make it even more special, you wonderful lot contributed over 500 carbon saving pledges between you on the Donation platform, which collectively add up to nearly 40 tonnes of carbon dioxide saved. If you go ahead and uh, fulfil your pledges, which I am sure you will. So a huge thank you to you all. Those pledges certainly did keep me going on lunchtime on day two when I was cold and wet, and still a long way from London. Right then, you might not want to hear this, but Christmas is coming. We are on the cusp of silly season for consumption, with Black Friday on the horizon, and then the Christmas shopping. So what better time to take a pause and to spend a little minute thinking about the impact of what we're buying or planning to buy? And how we might be able to make our money do good stuff at the same time as buying good prezzies. So today I am chatting to Sean Conway-Wood, who is the founder of ethical business platform Ethical Hour and managing partner at 181st Street, a communications company. Earlier on this month, Sean launched Shop Ethical Instead, a campaign to encourage us to use our Christmas budget to buy gifts from small, ethical, independent brands. Now. As some of you will know, I'm coming to the end of Nothing New in 22, a year buying nothing new, 10 years on from the first year buying nothing new that was the start of my own sustainability journey. So I'm pretty sold on the message that one of the most powerful things we can do as individuals is to consume less. So I did gently challenge Sean on how she feels about marketing more stuff to us that we might not even really need. It was a brilliant chat. I totally sign up to Sean's mantra of buy less, buy better. So if you are on the lookout for some thoughtfully selected presents for the loved ones in your life, then do check out the Shop Ethical Instead gift guides, which I've linked to in the show notes. And on that note, if you're looking to do Christmas with a bit less waste, a bit less impact on the planet and hopefully a bit less money this year, then I've pulled together the Crap Free Christmas course, a self-paced course with 16 modules covering everything from secondhand gifts for family and the kids to plastic free stocking fillers, all the way through to sustainable-ish drinks choices for the big day. And I will link to that in the show notes too. Do let me know what you think of this episode and if you'll be checking out some of the wonderful brands that Sean mentions. Enjoy. Hello, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jen. It's great to be here. 
Oh, it's really lovely. We were just having a bit of catch up, weren't we, before we hit record. I haven't, we haven't spoken for so long to the extent that you now have a 20 month old. <laughs> yeah, and there's been a global pandemic yeah. in between us. Yeah, so it's a been a little while. Yeah, 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 yeah. For people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself? Sure. So my name's Sean Conway-Wood. I'm the founder of Ethical Hour, among several other hats. Um, but Ethical Hour is a global network for people that want to live and work more ethically and sustainably. So we have a weekly Twitter chat. We have a news platform, um, which is soon to launch with a lifestyle platform. And we have a membership for um, small businesses and challenger brands that are wanting to embed ethics and sustainability into their brand and then take that out into the mainstream and really challenge the stuff that's already out there. Wow. And Ethical Hour started, I say just as a Twitter chat, but it, that's how it started, wasn't it? As, a, as a, a Twitter hour. It did. Yeah. So it actually way back when was my blog um, because I decided to be a bit more sustainable in my daily life. And this was kind of pre Blue Planet 2 and that big surge of awareness that happened. And as you know, Jen, there wasn't that much out there at that time and it was quite hard to find information whereas now it's kind of a lot more mainstream mm. you know it's in the glossy magazines it's kind of the trendy thing it really wasn't back then and um, I was in corporate marketing working the nine to five consuming all of the fast fashion doing all of the things that I now wouldn't dream of doing and um, had a bit of a light bulb moment on a trip to Cambodia and just decided to come back and make a few changes and to hold myself accountable to start blogging about them, which again, this was kind of before Instagram was really yeah. active, before TikTok <laughs> even existed. I'm making myself sound ancient, but yeah. it wasn't that long ago. But, you know, that was the way of documenting things at that time. You know, you would keep an online diary on your blog. So that's what I was doing. And I just found that nobody was reading it and working in marketing. That was a little bit embarrassing. So started a Twitter account because um, that was what I was using the most at work and was the most familiar with to kind of promote the company that I was working for and started connecting with all these amazing small businesses that I was now buying from and supporting and I was hearing their stories. And as a marketeer, I was seeing that they had these incredible values, these incredible stories, these beautiful products, but they were not telling that story in the right way to get people to buy. They were getting lots and lots of support they were getting press coverage, um, you know, they were getting interest, but it wasn't converting. And I could see how to fix that. So what I decided was that they all needed to be talking to each other. There needed to be that sense of community that wasn't really there so that they could support each other. And they needed that advice and that support. And that's really where first the Twitter chat and then the community and things have, have really grown from there. But yeah, we still tweet every Monday night, 8pm till 9pm. Uh, we're always there talking about different topics and we have you know people that have been there for every single one and then new faces every week which is lovely so for someone who's like oh I don't really use Twitter and I don't know like what does the Twitter chat and how does it work it basically centers around the hashtag and hashtags are effectively just a search term with the hashtag symbol in front of them so ethical hour all one word with the hashtag symbol and you can search that at any time, day or night, any day of the week, and you will see what people are posting with that hashtag in. But what we do is we say that 8 or 9pm UK time on a Monday, that's when we're all going to log on to Twitter, we're all going to use that hashtag. And from our account, which is at Ethical Hour, we will post a series of questions throughout the hour. So we'll decide on a topic, which might be, you know, ethical fashion, and something really broad like that, and we can see where that takes us, or it might be something really, really specific, like how to switch your bank account to a more sustainable bank mm. account. It might be something business related. And what we'll do is throughout the course of the hour, we'll tweet several questions from our account, and then you can see everybody answering them. People can talk to each other. And just the easiest way to get involved is put that hashtag in the search bar and select latest tweets, and then you'll just see the feed of all the latest tweets that are coming up that people are posting. Um, so you can catch up at any time in the week and we retweet a lot on our account. So you can head to our account and kind of see the type of thing that people talk about. We really try and keep it very beginner friendly, very open. And one of our core values as a community, which extends to everything we do, is that we absolutely do not sustainability shame. So, you know, individual action is great. It's very, very important. 
but we recognize that we're within a bigger system where there are bigger changes that need to happen so we're all doing our best with what we have we're doing what we can do there's no shame in saying I'm doing this but I'm not doing that bit yeah that's just not accessible for me yeah and that's super important and that's what I bang on about all the time and because otherwise you know if you just bash people over the head all the time with the big green batty stick people just like oh, okay not for me then and go off and you know it's really off-putting isn't it if you're sort of dipping your toe in and then you get told that it's not good enough so um yeah being really open and accessible um so we're going to talk today about shop ethical instead that the campaign yeah, yeah that's it um so tell us about this where did how long because it's been going for a little while hasn't it so this is year five. This is another hashtag. <laughs> Love hashtag. Um, but this one started, say, five years ago. I think that was the first time that I really became aware as a consumer of the concept of Black Friday. Mm. Obviously, it's an American thing originally um, and centres around that shopping weekend um, just after Thanksgiving. And that was the first year that I really paid attention to it coming over here. It might not have been the first year that it was over here, but it was the first year that I really felt myself bombarded with advertising, special offers. You know, my email inbox mm. the week before was just chock-a-block. And I really noticed friends talking about getting Black Friday deals and things and hadn't really engaged with that before. And it was also a year where there were riots in the US and, um, you know, real bad crowds in the shops, mm. people getting very, very injured and just awful things happening really under this banner of cheap deals. And that just didn't sit great with me. And I think a lot of people resonated with that because on the other side, there were calls to boycott Black Friday, boycott the big retailers that were promoting it. But for me, again, from a marketing and communications perspective, everything I do is grounded in behavioral science and understanding how people, why we behave the way mm. that we do and kind of predicting behavior so that you can sell stuff to people effectively. And really, we are very, very centered around what the social norm is. And the social norm in that situation is to go shopping. That has been established. We are in a consumer culture. So to boycott it, you're only going to reach a very small percentage of people that will actually take that boycott message on board and do something about it. And there was nowhere really in the middle for people like me, I felt, who I want to do my Christmas shopping. It's that time of year. It's payday. You know, it's the last payday before Christmas. I'm starting to think about what gifts am I going to buy? I'm not necessarily so bothered about going out and buying loads of stuff and getting loads mm -hmm. of cheap deals, you know, new tech, all of that kind of stuff. But I am thinking about shopping. So the boycott message doesn't really resonate with me. Those aren't big retailers that I tend to shop at anyway. Mm -hmm. But what I would love is to be able to find where to actually put my attention during this high shopping period. And obviously, we have a whole community of small business owners. And I was hearing from them that actually Black Friday was making their lives hard because getting that cut through in their messages when we're just bombarded by all these yeah. special offers and people we're looking to them for what offers are they putting on, but they don't always have the margins to be able to put special offers on because their production costs are higher, because they're paying living wage, mm. they're paying for sustainable materials. And there was just really this gap in the middle. And I just felt like, what if we could take all of that energy and attention that goes on to Black Friday and goes on to shopping at this time of year and put that onto these small business owners who are doing things ethically, doing things sustainably, creating jobs, paying living wage, you know, creating absolutely gorgeous, beautiful products that are just not getting the cut through because these big retailers are dominating our airways and mm. our attention span. And what if we could just show people that these are options that are out there? And actually, when you spend your money with them, it has a massive positive impact rather than kind of impulse purchases at these big retailers where the stats on people returning stuff is just shocking. And as we know, and that tends to go to landfill, or get burnt. And there's this huge waste problem. And actually, if we shop a little bit more consciously, we shift the money that we were going to spend anyway, and we spend it with these ethical, sustainable businesses, it stays in our local economy, it supports ordinary people with their dreams, it helps people earn a living wage. And actually, we then create a cycle where everybody in that cycle benefits. And that's the real power of just shifting your shopping habits a little bit. It doesn't take very much, you know. So 
that's where Shop Ethical Instead came from. And that's really the ethos of the campaign today. So this is probably a question, a slightly silly question. And I'm sure that everybody listening probably thinks it's a silly question. But there might be some people thinking, what is wrong with Black Friday? Like, you know, there's something I've been saving up for. Someone's coming along with it at a half price thing. Like, why is everyone so down on Black Friday? Yeah, I don't think that's a silly question at all, Jen. I think that's a really valid question. And I think that particular example is not necessarily the the problem, quote Mm. unquote, with Black Friday, because there is absolutely nothing wrong with thinking, I really need a new computer or laptop, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I need that thing. Mine is broken. I'm going to save up and get a good deal. That's just common sense. Like, definitely go for those deals. But the problem really occurs in the way that these brands do their marketing. So that is a genuine need. If your laptop has broken, you know, you've dropped it or something awful has happened to it, you need to replace it for work. That is a genuine need. But we only buy things because we need them. We don't buy things just because we want them. But often we create that need subconsciously in our own brains. And actually it's created by the advertisers and the marketeers. So if you look at the way fashion has been advertised for absolutely years, it's not about the garment. It's about how you're going to feel in the garment. You know, that idea that if you're going out or you've got a job interview or you've got a first date, you have to have a new outfit because that's how you'll feel confident. That has all come from the advertising industry. And really, that is just as bad as the exploitation going on in the supply chains, because that is squeezed with the amount of production they have to keep Mm. up with to meet the need that the advertisers are creating. And the more connected we've got, so social media, you know, we've always had television advertising and billboards and things, but now a brand can follow you around the internet. You'll have seen it, you know, you'll you'll see something and over time it will wear you down because behaviourally... It takes 11 to sort of 15 touch points with a brand and a product for you to actually start thinking about buying it. So even an impulse purchase that you think you've just made this second has probably been wearing you down over weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think that's where it becomes really dangerous. We're kind of conditioned to shop on this day. Even if there's nothing that you need, you might find yourself kind of getting sucked in by that messaging that there's that FOMO, isn't there? Like, oh, I'm gonna miss out on a great deal that I didn't know I even wanted. (laughs) Exactly. Um that bit you just said about we don't buy the things I can't remember what you said. We we don't buy what we want, we buy what we need. And I've not heard Mm -hmm. that before. I always thought, well, like we've become a society that just buys whatever it wants. But what you're saying is that brands create a need that turns our want into need so it's just something that we want that we don't really really need we can get by fine without it but they're telling us that we'll be more popular uh look younger prettier whatever so we need to have this thing in order to fit in or to follow those societal norms is that is that what it's that's it exactly and if you look at advertising messaging with that lens on and that sort of critical eye you'll start to see the manipulative messages. Oh, so manipulative, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. And obviously some are very overt about it and some are really, really subtle, but you can start to feel it. And it's even things like you will more you will be more likely to buy a product if the model in the photo with that product looks like you. So a similar age bracket, you know, same ethnicity, mm. same gender. Um, so you will be much more likely to buy. So obviously, with a television advert, you can control to a certain extent who's going to see that based on who is likely watching that program at mm-hmm. that time. Um, and you can create an advert. But with digital advertising, you can narrow your audiences down and you can target by age group and you can target by gender. So one brand might be targeting you with a model who looks like you and might be targeting your husband with an model that looks like your husband and it'll be the same brand same product but different ads and that will make you more likely to buy it and because he's been seeing that advert as well if you go to him saying oh I'm thinking about buying this thing yeah yeah, me too and then you think oh you know I was talking to um Joe Salter from where does it come from and her podcast the other day about the campaign and she said that she's had friends say to her I keep seeing this product everywhere it must be fate I must need to buy it I was like, that's not fate, that's marketing. That's algorithms, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> wow, gosh, there is, yeah, as you say, um, super scary, isn't it? How, and, and targeted ads and things now, and we spoke to 
um, Ollie from Global Action Plan a couple of years ago now about their, they, they're running a campaign to try and stop targeted ads for kids on platforms like YouTube yeah. and things, which is supposed to be illegal, I think. But they talked about the, the sort of, um, you know, the, the really almost subliminal messaging like you were talking about in terms of like influencer advertising and things. You know, we can all probably recognize an ad when it, you know, comes on in a TV break or something, but actually seeing an influencer wearing something and even if they've put hashtag ad or whatever it's there's something very different about that and it just kind of it's there in your feed and you're scrolling through it and you're not thinking oh that's an advert like you would if you were going to make a cup of tea during a telly break or whatever it's it's so insidious now isn't it it really is and even television advertising you'll notice that the adverts are slightly louder than the actual program that you're watching And I noticed that a lot because obviously I've got a relatively small baby asleep. So I always turn the ads down really quickly so it doesn't wake her up. But that's because you are more likely to get up and go out of the room to put Mm. on or grab a snack. So they make it louder so that you can hear it in the other room. And obviously with the internet now, they follow you around. But influencers are a really interesting one. And they're really trying, advertising standards are really kind of cracking down on how influencer marketing works because it is so different and actually the regulation is needing to catch up with mm. kind of the media and how it's changed but there was a really interesting study that said that I can't remember the exact percentage but it was a very high percentage of people that view influencers online as personal friends yeah feel the same way as they do and it's that trusted person that you see every day so when they start telling you about a product you're much more likely to buy something if your mom or your best friend or the person you sit next to at work and talk to every day goes, oh, I tried this shampoo and it was great. Yeah. As opposed to just seeing it on the internet. So if an influencer says that, you're much more likely to believe them. And actually, you know, we've seen the kind of documentaries about it and things where some influencers are promoting stuff that they've never even used. Mm. And, you know, all of that sort of trouble that goes with it. But it is, these are all the different clever tactics that people in my industry use to get people to just buy more and more stuff that they don't really need one of the things I find really difficult and I struggle with the sort of balance is obviously you know my starting point was a year buying nothing new and we're kind of doing it again this year as a sort of 10-year air quotes celebration and one of the, the the key things we need to do is consume less doesn't matter where we're buying it from we need to consume less and so you know the talking about the sort of marketing and you're working with small brands and kind of advising them how they can sell more I don't know I just I I still find it really difficult to obviously wanting to support small ethical brands and choose that whole there's that lovely Anna Lape quote I use a lot about you know when you spend money you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want all that kind of thing but like I don't know how we marry those two messages up do you know what I mean completely and I think actually a lot of the small business owners sit in that discomfort as well and I often see them struggling with the mindset work of putting their own products out there and and marketing because they live in that way as well you know they are on this journey as well they do consume less and they don't want to promote that mass consumption. But I think they are naturally using supply chains and production methods that are not at that scale, that aren't harmful to the planet. And, you know, these people, their stories are so inspiring, the research and the time and the love that they've put into sourcing the very best products in terms of not just quality, but also for the people involved in that supply chain, whether that's in the UK or abroad. And the materials and the processes and the end of life and everything and actually these are products that are made to last you know we've Mm. got one brand Ethicana Arshad works with artisans in India to produce the most beautiful wooden toys and he has one in particular that's a little pull-along dog and I've still got upstairs the pull-along dog that was mine when Mm. I was it's probably made with some horrible toxic (laughs) but our shads are not you know they're all yeah, 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 material, yeah. they're sustainably sourced wood and I can just see that there will be children that in x amount of years mm. time not to age myself will be saying I've still got that pull along dog yes. and in the same way that I've got stuff out when I had a baby I got all my old stuff out so I'm a bit of a hoarder and uh she plays with stuff now and I can see that happening and it's those things that really become the family treasures and you get them out and you've got happy memories of mm. them you know somebody sits there and goes oh do you remember when that happened and everybody has a laugh and we've kind of 
lost that sense of connection to the people that make stuff that we buy. And, you know, fashion, again, is a really good example of that in a in a really horrible way of like people are just working in the most unsafe Mm. unfair conditions and not earning a living wage and we're then saying we need to buy cheap clothes because we're not earning a living wage and we're just perpetuating that cycle but actually the way out of that is exactly as you said Jen consume less but buy better and just shift that thought process and I think Christmas is such a good example Mm. of how to do that because it's just become this weird social norm that it's about how many gifts are under the tree and you know you find parents posting pictures of how much stuff they've bought for their children and that that just doesn't sit right for me Mm. I think you know by one thing but by a real quality thing that they will love they will treasure they will pass on they will lend to people that's how we're going to bring those kind of values back in practice. Mm. And we were talking the other night on Ethical Hour about community lending and, you know, library of things and that sort of thing. And not just going, right, I need to put a picture up. I'm going to go on Amazon and buy the hammer or the drill mm-hmm. and have that delivered the next day, but actually nipping around to your neighbor and seeing if they've got one. But if that stuff is so cheaply made that it just falls apart after a few uses or the clothes that you're wearing just fall apart after a few wears, you can't pass it on. You can't wear it again. You can't lend it to a friend and know that it's going to be okay and it's going to help them out. So actually shifting back to really good quality, handcrafted, things that we can treasure that are really beautiful, that we're proud to have in our home. I love that William Morris quote of have nothing in your home that isn't useful or beautiful. Oh, Um, don't tell me that because I look around my house and I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) I know, me too. (laughs) But I just, I love that ethos. And I think, you know, you have to go full minimalist. It's all about doing it in your own way. But actually, just for me, it's the living wage piece. If you just think if the person that made this was paid a living wage, and that means I buy one less thing, but I make sure that everything I buy, some everybody involved was paid a living Mm. wage that is the way that we want to be treated we want a living wage and that's how we create that cycle where we then can afford more ethical and sustainable products and the cycle continues because I think that's not always but that's often the argument isn't it that uh, you know sustainable things cost you know living more sustainably costs more money and things that are ethically produced cost more money and there's absolutely a reason why they do but I guess the the way to square that is the kind of buy less buy better isn't it so maybe you buy a proportion of stuff secondhand and then that frees up some money to be able to buy some better quality um you know they talk about the um capsule wardrobe don't they which I aspire to but never never quite manage but um you know so that you have those kind of key pieces or I think for kids as well it's having um I mean basically my don't get me wrong they had loads of tap toys and things but the things they played with most was like the Duplo railway and the lego both of which, you know, are still there to be sold on, passed on, whatever. Um, So it's trying to find those things that have a longevity to them, isn't it? That's it, exactly. And, you know, some sustainable products and ethically made products, when you buy them new, if they're handcrafted and, you know, all the rest of it, yes, they are more expensive, but actually that's the price they should be to reflect the labour and the materials involved. But that doesn't mean that you are simply shifting to spending more on everything because it's about shifting our habits and the way that we interact with stuff. So actually, it's just as sustainable, if not more, to go on Facebook Marketplace and buy a bundle of baby clothes from the person down the road whose baby has outgrown them or to borrow them from a friend. You know, we had a hand-me-down bag the other day from a friend who's got a three-year-old and we've Mm -hmm. got a three-year-old. Hand yeah. me down bag and I will hand those on. I've got yes. a friend on the road who's got a one-year-old. So we're in a <laughs> chain now, which is really nice. And everybody's getting wear out of it. And that's just lovely because then I send her photos and say, oh, look, Amelia's wearing Amelia's jeans today. Yes. Here, and we've done that. So it's shifting that. And for Amelia, we rent her toys through Whirly. So yes, we do have plastic her. toys in the house because, you know, it's very hard to go plastic-free with a toddler who likes all the shiny mm. lights things so we rent them from Whirly and then they go back so we haven't got the clutter and the stress and I think it's thinking holistically about your lifestyle and actually where you can make those swaps to save money save clutter save stress and then actually the little bit of income that that frees up and the little bit of income that you save because you bought that thing on Facebook marketplace Mm. or in the charity shop secondhand 
that can then be used when it is gifting season and you do want to buy new and you do want to buy beautiful things you can then use that to support the small businesses and again just buying less but buying better Mm -hmm. these mountains of presents and things actually one really good quality gift is probably even more special and I really saw it with Amelia's first Christmas last year she just got overwhelmed she so much stuff and we had to split it across two days and by Mm. the end she overwhelmed and I just felt like that wasn't from the the gifts that we'd bought her you know we tried to be obviously shop ethical instead it's very useful yes, yes. my Christmas Gosh, shopping yeah it must be so tempting but, but they you know it still shift everybody's behavior isn't it so and I just felt you know I don't want to see that look of just overwhelm in her face again on mm-hmm. something that should be very joyful yeah uh, what was lovely was the other day I was editing we've done a lot of video for this year's campaign and we've interviewed a lot of our brand owners about how does it feel when someone places an order and we've got these beautiful clips of them just lighting up and celebrating absolutely lovely and you can really feel the impact that it has every single time they get an order and well, that's the thing like Jeff, I'm sure Jeff Bezos doesn't give a monkeys every time yeah. you know at every point you know whatever exactly. of a second that Amazon makes a sale but like genuinely and as a you know business owner although I'm selling you know service-based stuff like when that ping comes into your email it's just like the most exciting thing and just yeah. feel like somebody's chosen to to shop with you and to give you their money and appreciates what you do and all that sort of thing yeah. it's a, a hugely exactly. powerful thing and I guess to know that your money might be lightening up someone's day is um... exactly and she was in the room with me while I was editing and just watching this video and she came over and she was asking who everybody was so I was telling her and I was saying oh they make that and we've got a lot of their oh, products. Yeah, yeah. they make that thing that we've got over there and you know she then picked one up and said the person's name like, on. and it's like that's the connection and that's really what it should be about rather than just kind of this soulless shopping experience where it's yes. one click ordering and you know ignore all the the horrible I mean stuff I guess it. it's hard isn't it because we do live in a world now where convenience is king and when we're time poor and we're busy and especially like you say Christmas is always a really busy time of year and then that's additional pressure of getting and so I can absolutely appreciate the convenience of just going onto Amazon you know someone's put together a wish list or whatever and you can just click it and it's all there and it's all going to be delivered and but there is it is quite a soulless experience as well isn't it but again, so I, I guess that's another barrier for people is, you know, potentially it's more expensive. And so we've talked about that, but that convenience piece. And, and I guess that's part of what you're trying to do with Shop Ethical instead of it is to make it easier and more convenient to find these brands. That's it. Absolutely. So that's part of the reason for using the hashtag, because then obviously that's a nice searchable term rather mm. than having to search ethical socks for yeah. Grand Show yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ethical coffee for Uncle Brian or whatever you can just search shop ethical instead and you'll see everybody there you'll see what they do there'll be showcases of them on the ethical hour website and shop ethical um shop ethical instead.com we've got a Ooh, whole you've got a shop ethical guys. instead website amazing we have it is just the ethical hour website everything's in like a one-stop shop but we've yeah. got a whole range of different gift guides this year oh, amazing. so first of November they go live and they'll be up all Christmas season and they're divided up by who you're buying for so we've got a babies and toddlers one um you know we've got all different gift guides there to make it nice and easy with mm. recommendations um, and we're just trying to make it really as convenient as possible but also what I think is bringing back a bit of the experience of Christmas shopping which I know is super hard when you're stressed and you're juggling work and you've got the kids and everything else Maybe you can't think of anything worse, but we don't have a high street really anymore in this country in the way that we have in years gone by, unless you're very lucky to live somewhere with a strong independent community. I mean, our high street here is just all chain shops. Mm. You can go and do late night shopping, but it just doesn't really feel the same. I know we always say that about Christmas as adults. (laughs) It doesn't feel the same anymore. We get nostalgic, but you know, there's, there's a kind of magical idealized view of, doing the Christmas shopping and going and talking to the shopkeepers and things. And actually the shopkeepers these days are the small business owners that are your fellow mom at the school game mm. or you know, your fellow dad in the supermarket, um, you know, or the lady down the road. And these people are the shopkeepers. It's just that they don't have a shop front. They have a website that is their shop front. 
but it's the same level of experience. You're giving them the same level of joy as if they were welcoming you into their shop that is an extension of their home, essentially. Mm. And they were recommending products to you. So the beautiful thing when you buy from a small business is you can reach out to the person who has selected those products. You know, if you go to Argos or wherever, you can't talk to the buyer who selected Mm. those products and get recommendations. But you can go to a small business owner and say, do you know what? My dad is really awkward to buy for. He's one of those people that's got everything. I don't know what to get him. He's into this, this and this. And they will be able to give you recommendations. So there are marketplaces in this sector that you can go to. And some of those are involved in the campaign, like social supermarket that make it a bit easier because they've got a lot of different categories mm. in one place. There are gift guides you can go and read to get inspiration. And then you can reach out to the business owners themselves and ask for those recommendations, ask for information about the products, get into that conversation with them in the same way that you would if you were walking into their shop if they had one. And I think there's, um, you touched on this earlier, that that storytelling bit to it as well, isn't there? They will know sometimes who's made it and exactly where it's come from and the um, I mean, talk. You mentioned Joe from where does it come from? Uh, you know, she was saying with her stuff, she'll, you know, they'll be able to trace it right the way back to the cotton, all the way back to, you know, who's picked it, who's grown it, all this, and they'll have that incredible traceability and this amazing story that comes with it. So you're not just buying a pair of jeans or you know a, a pull along dog. You're buying this whole story and you're supporting all of these people that are being paid fairly along the way as well. And I think that that there's something really valuable about that as well isn't there completely and I think that is kind of the real special thing at Christmas for me is being able to give somebody a gift that I've spent time and energy thinking about what will they really like what will they really want we're not a big kind of wish list family Mm, we mm. do go out and we think about we, we buy one gift for each person and we do that exchange but we really put time and energy into finding that one gift for them and then over Christmas, we're sat there and we're saying, oh, I picked that for you because of this. And mm-hmm. you tell the story. There was one, there's a company called Elephant Gin, like delicious gin. <laughs> um, but my mum absolutely adores elephants. And she has, for years, she has sponsored baby elephants at the Sheldrick Trust. And she actually went over there before the pandemic and met her elephants at oh, the cemetery. Wow. She was so, so lucky. Elephant Gin partner with the Sheldrick Trust so they have bottles of gin that are named after the elephants and then when they're in beautiful packaging and they're just stunning when you open it it's got all the information about the elephants and obviously a percentage of the sale of that bottle of gin goes back to the supporting the work of the charity and that when I saw that I was like that is just perfect that's the charity my mum supports she loves the gin and tonic yeah is perfect so that year she got one present and it was that bottle of gin under the Christmas tree and she's kept the bottle um I think she's turned it into a candle holder or something she's done something with it she's kept all the packaging and she loves it and she now buys that for friends and you know that's had that ripple as well um and she just really loves that so I think it's that special touch that shows somebody I've really thought about what you will like Mm. that's just showing them that I listen you know when you talk to me about the charities that you support when you come back from your holiday and you show me all your photos I'm paying attention to you Mm. and I think in this day and age when we're all on our phones and every other device is going off and we're all rushing around and things there's something really special about taking that moment to give somebody a gift and saying I love who you are. I'm celebrating who you are. These are some of my favorite things about you. And I'm reflecting that in the gift that I'm giving you. Yeah, hugely powerful. So how do you stop people abusing the hashtag? I guess I'm talking like greenwashing. And I know you've written a whole book about greenwashing, haven't you? Just tell us the the title of your book. It's called Buy Better, Consume Less, Create Real Environmental Change. And that does have a focus in there, doesn't it, on how you kind of tell if you're being greenwashed and just explain greenwashing for people who might not have come across the term. So again, this is, I'm sorry. We could do a whole podcast on greenwashing. We We could, but sorry for my industry because this is another (laughs) dodgy marketing tactic. This is why I went into ethical marketing. (laughs) Greenwashing is essentially, and you've also got purpose washing to go in this category as well, but greenwashing is essentially the act of making a product or a business as a whole look more sustainable than it really is. Um, And there's a whole host of tactics from just outright lying, which yes, it is illegal, but it does still happen. 
to, um, you know, fake certifications and then kind of more subtle things. I mean, it's not more subtle, but let's talk about the rebrand of uh, a well-known oil company who suddenly decided to paint all of their petrol forecourts green, mm. you know, quite literally greenwashing. And then there are some really kind of more subtle and there's accidental greenwashing as well. So it's a whole minefield. It's really, really hard as a consumer to know what is actually green and what's not. Um, so in terms of the campaign, Every brand that's got involved, we have checked. And very, very fortunately, the Advertising Standards Agency and the CMA, which is the Competitions Market Authority here in the UK, they are the regulators for advertising and marketing, basically. And they last year released a green claims code. So it's 10 principles about making sure that your claims around your eco-credentials are factual, are well-evidenced, aren't blowing things out of proportion, aren't making unfair comparisons, and just trying to level the playing field and make it a bit easier for us as consumers. So that's kind of the start of a journey. Mm. We're starting to see it, you know, just this week, HSBC had to pull one of their ads because they were calling themselves a green bank, but they're still investing in fossil fuels. So that was deemed by the regulator to be greenwashing and that advert had to be pulled. So the regulatory environment is getting stricter, which we welcome. That's really, really good news. Um, It means brands won't get away with greenwashing, but it is still out there. It still happens. So we have checked every single brand. One of at my marketing agency, communications agency, one of the services we offer is a green claims code audit. So we have effectively done that on all the brands that signed up to make sure that they have got evidence to back the credentials Mm. that they are claiming. So all of our gift guides are green claims compliant. Um, All of the content that we have created for the brands, that's one of the ways that we're making sure that it's convenient, it's easy to see who's involved in the campaign, and it's easy to see who's been endorsed by Ethical Mm. Hour and the campaign because they will be putting out content that is in the Shop Ethical Instead branding, so that it'll be instantly recognisable, hopefully. Um, But that shows that they have kind of passed our checks, which are grounded on the regulations. There is a small risk that, you know, a fast fashion brand could see this this, um, hashtag trending and be like, oh, well, we've got, um, you know, we're calling it our organic brand because it's got 2% organic fibres in it or whatever, and we're going to use this hashtag. So I guess... For us coming and looking at the hashtag, if it's using the Shop Ethical Instead branding and we come onto the website and it's on the gift directory and all those sorts of things, then we know that you've done that due diligence for us. Yeah. Um, but maybe just having to be aware that sometimes, you know, hashtags, especially if they start trending and things can get used by people you might not want to. Yeah, that's it. And obviously not every small business in the sector is in the campaign, although very good chunk of them are because we've been creating all the content and it's been a lot which is fantastic it's so good to see them kind of get involved um but obviously we can't control exactly who uses that hashtag and because we don't own the platforms we can't take down stuff on social media that is using that hashtag but you will very clearly be able to see who is endorsed by us um who's been kind of vetted by us to make sure that they meet those standards Um, And, you know, we've got a whole body of content on what greenwashing is and, you know, down to the level of detail of like biodegradable versus compostable. Wow. Yes. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. So I'm sure, you know, if it were to get picked up and it were to be used in that way, there are ways that we could gently challenge that and Mm. kind of push back on those brands about what the ethos of this campaign is. You know, it's absolutely not a vehicle for greenwashing and it would be really heartbreaking to yes, see it used yeah. like that. Let's yeah. hope that doesn't happen. But in a way, that will mean that we're making enough noise that yes. it's worth them paying attention to. So it may be a nice problem to have. <laughs> yes. until, uh, we've got ways we can deal with that if it happens. <laughs> so um, if people are listening and they're thinking, yes, actually, you know, Christmas is coming up, as we said, you know, I would ordinarily be buying 10 presents. And so I'm going to see if I can source at least 50% of them ethically so how do we get involved how do we come and find out when's it all kicking off so all launches on the 1st of November which is very very soon very yeah we're recording this on the 27th I'm not sure when it'll go out so probably when this goes out um, it'll probably be live find it or yeah yeah so 1st of November and we're running up until the 21st of December which is the last postage day so that is the last day to get your orders in 
Um, obviously, each brand will have different last postage mm-hmm. day. That is the official last postage day from the Royal Mail. The easiest way to get involved, you can go to shopethicalinstead.com and that will take you to all of the gift guides and all of the information about the brands or go to pretty much any social media platform and search the hashtag shopethicalinstead. We've created content for all the different platforms and there you'll be able to see the brands that are involved, the content that's going out. If you want a little bit more of a filtered view on that, we've got an Instagram account, which is Shop Ethical Instead. Oh, wow. And all the other platforms, we are at Ethical Hour. So Twitter, Facebook, and we have an Instagram as well. And we'll be sharing loads and loads of amazing brand stories. You'll be able to meet the business owners. You'll be able to meet the people in the supply chains you'll really be able to get those incredible stories that you can sit and tell around the Christmas tree on Christmas morning when you give gifts that you've bought from ethical and sustainable brands instead of big retailers. I'm so excited listening to this and I'm thinking, oh God, can I make some exceptions to my buy and I think new for the end of the year <laughs> for things that we buy. But um, I'm so tempted to just jump over and have a look straight away. I'm really having to try and sit firm on this. But um, yeah, no, I could, I could, you know, the... When we did our original year buying nothing new, um, I think what it did for me was really make me a much more conscious consumer. And I think that's what we're talking about, isn't it? It's it's I realized how unconscious so much of my buying was, how I'd go into Lidl's for a pint of milk and come out with a fence sprayer, or you go into IKEA for a piece of furniture and you always come out with the tea lights and whatever else it was in marketplace. And you know, that that kind of, oh, I see that, I buy it, uh, you know that knee-jerk consumption and then having to stop and think about where I might be able to get it from was just that breathing space and so I think it it is about anything we can do to just try and slow it down and connecting with those stories connecting with those suppliers being aware that your money you know your 10 quid can go and make Jeff Bezos a little bit richer or it can go and make somebody's day when the email comes through that they've made a sale and it's helping them pay their mortgage and put food on their table and they're paying people in their supply chains a living wage all those sorts of things it's when we can and if we are able to being able to make those more conscious decisions is so powerful and has so many ripple effects that we probably won't even know about isn't it yeah absolutely and that is really the crux of the campaign and If you want any kind of insight into why it is that you come out with all of the things you didn't mean to. (laughs) Um, I've written loads about that in my book and all the kind of manipulative marketing techniques to try and help people start to unpick that. Mm. But as part of this campaign, we really want to focus on the positives. We really don't want to, what do you call it? The big green green bashy stick. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) that is banned. That is not allowed. It's Christmas. We're going to have fun. We're going to be in the festive season and in the festive of spirit so we've got loads and loads of just really beautiful little clips of the business owners talking about what an impact this makes and Mm. what it does and you know it was almost like we're up against these big flashy Christmas adverts that all the brands put out that they spend fortune on Mm. and actually just getting these business owners around the table to say how much it makes their day what an impact it has that gave me more goosebumps than any Christmas ad. Than the John Lewis ad, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what they come out with this year, but I challenge them to uh, to outdo us on the emotional stories and just the the really positive impact that it makes when you do choose. Can to- you imagine if if these brands that that you're working with had the budget to be on prime time? You know, then this is just where it's so unfair, isn't it? That that um, these brands doing good stuff paying living wages all these sorts of and we're not saying for a minute that John Lewis isn't paying a living wage or anything like that but you know that that if they had the finances behind them to be able to market as much as um as these guys then maybe people more people be more aware of the different choices that that are available and the different choices they can Mm -hmm. make and the power of sometimes being able to make those different choices as well yeah, exactly. And combined, we added up the other day, all the brands involved in the campaign are, have got a collective audience of over a million people. Wow. So by coming together around that hashtag, and you know, if you are listening to this, and you are a small business, and you're not involved in this year's campaign, do still use that hashtag, do reach out to us about next year's campaign, because that is really 
that combined power mm. we can start to compete at that level we can start to get hashtags trending we can start to really create that same level of noise that some of these big brands create without an enormous advertising and production budget and all the rest of it by putting all of the pieces together and really coming together and having that shared purpose so yeah please do use the hashtag search it use it if you're buying from brands you know give a little tweet to say who you've bought from yeah what you've bought if it's a secret <laughs> project, but who you've bought from it really does make a massive difference and if you are giving these gifts and people are delighted with them snap a few pictures on christmas morning and share them with the brands like that yes. really really makes it all worthwhile and it helps them just really spread the word. And it makes sure that those beautiful, independent, creative, ethical businesses survive and thrive. And that's what this is all about. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, I mean, I can't even imagine the time and the energy and the women hours that must go into pulling something like this together. So, you know, so fortunate that we have people like you around to um, use your your uh, manipulation skills for good <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks Jen there is an incredible team at 181st street that are working on this so it's not not just me by any means and they are really really you know working round the clock to make this happen for the businesses so just shout out to them and lots of love to them because they've done an incredible job been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.